It is the finest hour of the church. And to all those who will draw nigh unto the Lord, for all those who seek his presence, there is a glory and filling beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. It will be a time of a great outpouring, a harvest of souls, and the glory of the Lord shall shine from within every believer, and the glory of the Lord shall transform hearts, and the glory of the Lord will bring miracles and manifestations and the glory of the Lord will draw nigh into his heart nigh into his heart the glory of the Lord will draw men and women and children for it is his heart that none should perish but that all should be with him for eternity. And you, beloved, as believers in Christ, are treasures. Amen. Treasures in earthen vessels. And you have a mission. You have a mission. You are carriers of his glory. Do not take it lightly, beloved. You have been endowed with an immeasurable treasure, that of him and not of yourselves, the very presence and the glory of the Lord in you to reach a world in need of his love and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, beloved, if you are a believer in Christ, you are a treasure in earthen vessels. Take that into your spirits. Take that into your hearts. If you are a believer in Christ, you are a treasure in an earthen vessel. You carry the very presence of God within you. You carry the very presence of God within you. And you are meant to be a demonstration in this world, in the here and now, of the very presence of God. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy of Holies. He has come to dwell within our hearts. He has come to dwell in this earthen treasure, the fire of God in you, the very fire of God in you. You get that? You get that? Jesus came so that this world would be transformed, and there's only one way that that's going to happen, and it's through you. It's through his glory shining through you through believers. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 10. Therefore, 
since through God's mercy we have this ministry. See, you have a ministry. He says it real plain. You have a ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. We don't distort the word of God. We preach it the way it is right here. No other way as the Holy Spirit gives utterance and understanding and revelation of his word. We carry forth the pure, holy word of God. This is a treasure deposited in your spirit. The spirit of the living Father when you come to accept him as your Lord and Savior. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in other words, those who are yet to believe. God does not keep secrets from his children, from those who have called on him. Okay? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, this is our job. This is our treasure. Do you see what it says? Does it see what it says your treasure is? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Jesus said that he has given to us the glory that God gave him. That is what you carry as a believer. That is what you are carrying within you in earthen vessels. For we do not preach ourselves. We do not preach ourselves. We do, we do not make ourselves important. We do not exalt ourselves. We do not preach anything other than the word. We don't try to fit the word to our circumstances or to what we see here on this earth, to, the re to whatever reality appears on this earth. We don't fit the word to that. We come up. We rise up to the standard of the word. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He came humbly in a manger. And we need to remember that every day. We need to do that every day in our dealings with other people. Even in our dealings with ourselves, actually. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, that's the glory of God, in your hearts, in the believer's hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. This is not hidden. This is who you are. This is what you carry in you. This is an explosion waiting to go off when we allow it, right? You understand what this is saying? Listen, look. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light 
of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. As we seek the presence of Christ in our lives. This is a guarantee, this is a gift. This is who you are. This is what you walk around with inside of you. And the Lord has a purpose for you to allow that to shine forth, to transform hearts. Hallelujah. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us. That's our, our physical being. But you know what? He's made us so much more than our physical being. The very spirit of the living God comes to live in us, dwell in us, and be the light of the knowledge of his glory to the world. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. His power in you transforming the world. Healing to the world. Deliverance to the world. Praise you, Father. The light and the knowledge of the glory of God. He has designed you. He has created you. He has made you. Don't think you cannot do this. Don't think you cannot understand it. Don't think you are too dense to have it revealed. He has designed you to know, be intimately connected with his glory. You were designed for a purpose to know his glory. To carry his glory. To be glory carriers for him. To be glory carriers for him. It's your mission. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always given over to death for Jesus' sake. So what does that mean? If it says, it says here, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed. The life of Jesus, there is no greater purpose than the life of Jesus being revealed through you. For we who are alive are always being given over to death. By death, what does that mean? What does that mean? By death, what does that mean? That means death of self. That means death of carnality. That means death of the idols that we keep in our lives. Of the places that we don't want God to touch because we're afraid and, and we have nothing to be afraid of because his love is always more forgiving than we're ever forgiving of ourselves, right? The worldly passions, the worldly lusts, see, we, we die to these things. We die to the irreverence for the holiness of God. We die to these things. The scripture says in First Peter to be holy as I am holy. Be ye holy as I am holy. There is a call to holiness. There is a call to holiness. So, why do we die to these things? Why is this important? Why is it important to die to self? Why is it important to become humble as Jesus was humble? 
2 Corinthians 4, 11 and 12. So that his life, his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. In this earthen treasure, in this earthen vessel, his life, his treasure, his beauty, his love, his mercy, his grace revealed through us. So then, death is at work in us, but life, but life, the treasure, the glory of God is at work in you. The presence of God, the very presence of God, he will never turn us away. It does not matter what mistakes we make. It does not matter how we've been belligerent or rebellious. When we turn back to him, when we turn back to him, the presence of God, we must do everything that we can to get everything out of our lives. And you know how we do that? We just fall into his loving arms. We just fall into his loving arms. It is so simple. He will not turn you away. The holy presence of God in earthen mortal bodies. The kingdom wisdom. Kingdom knowledge. Kingdom presence to transform the world. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is, the same. His kingdom, his kingdom. Do you realize that when you become a believer, do you realize that that's what you carry around in you? The kingdom of God to be manifested here on earth to overcome every trial, every temptation, every darkness, newness of life in him, kingdom living, kingdom living. Think about the glory of that, beloved. Think about that he loved us so much. He has so much confidence in you as a believer that he has placed kingdom living on the inside of you to demonstrate to other people. He trusts you. You are his ambassadors. You are here to reach other people. You are, you, and not only that, it transforms your life, right? It transforms you first, and then you are the hand that tra helps transform other people. Earthen vessels with the presence, precious presence of God living in us. Will you think about that? Can you think about that? Seriously, precious presence of a holy father in us. Wow. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We are being renewed by what? By the word of truth, by the spirit of truth, by the spirit of God, by the word. He's given us a word of truth. It's really easy. We really don't have to have too many questions. It's all right here. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, reveals his word to us. Thank you, Lord. We humble ourselves and we preach not ourselves, but our glorious God, our glorious gospel. We proclaim him and not ourselves. We honor and glorify him. We draw nigh unto him. Draw nigh unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
We turn not to the left or to the right, but we keep our eyes stayed on him, our precious Jesus. He helps us in our time of need, and we make certain that it is the true gospel that we, pre- that we preach, that we show forth this gospel right here, this beloved gospel, to shine forth to a world in need. And we remember his humble beginnings. He gave up everything for us. He gave up his presence with the Father. He came to earth humbly in a manger. When we think about what he did, is it really that hard to become a servant here? Is it really that hard to humble ourselves here? When we see a a world in need, See, we come with humble hearts. Humble hearts. Sorry. And what happens when we come with humble hearts? When we come with humble hearts, what shines forth? His, yes, exactly. I don't know who said that, but that's exactly right. He shines forth rather than ourselves. See, we get in the flesh, we get in ourselves, <coughs> and we don't always shine forth the right things, do we? <laughs> we might get a little irritated at someone or a little angry, yeah. We might get a little jealous. We might get a little victimized. <laughs> we might say, why do they always get everything good and I always get a, not anybody here. No, no one at RCC, of course, I know that. But you see, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that disappears. And we're able to shine. We receive the love of Christ, and we're able to shine forth the love of Christ. Hallelujah. His presence is what we seek and and preach and declare. The king, okay, listen, please listen. The king of glory has come to live in the believer. The king of glory, the king of glory has come to indwell the spirit of those who believe in Christ. It's almost too much, but it's not because he makes it possible for us to understand that. The king of glory dwelling within you Just think of that. Think of that treasure. Think of that gift. Wow. He's first. His presence is what we seek and preach and declare. Not our own person, but him. Him and him only. We seek his face, and he is so good and kind and gracious, and he just shines that light right through us. Wow. You don't have to be perfect, beloved. He didn't require you to be perfect. He required you to be yielded, to be thankful, to understand what he's given you. The precious gift of the glory that he has packed into each one of us, these clay vessels. Unbelievable. But we believe it. We believe it, don't we? Hallelujah. So yes, you are an earthen vessel, but God has placed God has placed in you, this is scripture, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that. 
He has placed in you the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is there any darkness that that cannot overcome? No. Absolutely not. You do not need to fear in a world that seems like it is in chaos. You don't need to fear. He holds you in the palm of his hand. You are precious in his sight. So I want to go to the Last Supper. And you're all probably thinking, oh, why are you at Easter? <laughs> well, because the Lord told me to go there. Okay? I don't have any other reason. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to go to the Last Supper. And we're going to look at what the disciples were doing in the presence of the Holy One. We're going to look at what the disciples were doing in the presence of the Holy One. And we're going to realize that we do this sometimes too. Right? And we're going to make changes, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Not of ourselves, but by his power. So Jesus had just told his disciples that one of them was going to betray him, right? And so what did they do? They took a very few seconds, like, oh, who's that? And then what did they do? They start arguing. They start arguing over which one of them is the best. Well, what, did they even care that someone was going to betray Jesus? Yes, I'm sure they did. But it wasn't evident. They just start arguing on who's better, right? <laughs> See, we do this all the time in the presence of Jesus. When we put things in our lives that we think are going to satisfy us, and, they, and we make them more important than his will, we make them more important than what his will says, what, what his word says, we do it all the time. It's no different than what they were doing. We think our way is better than his way. We don't understand his way, so we think, you know, we know better. That's us making ourselves more important. So anyway, they start bickering. They start bickering and, and, and arguing over who's, who's the best. Very irreverent. Very irreverent of Jesus' presence and, and of his holiness. He was about to be crucified. He was about to be crucified for all of humankind. And how did they spend their last moments with him? See, we don't want to do that. We want to honor him in everything we do. You know? If he says, beloved, that's going to harm you. And yet I want to do that. I want to listen. I want to listen to his authority. I want to listen to his love for me. Because he does everything out of love for me. So the last few minutes, they're arguing amongst themselves. And he's about to be crucified for all of humankind. The truth is, he's the only important one. So let's look at how patient he was. Let's look at what, what he said. Luke 22, verse 24. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The king of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. You are not to be like that. You see, yes, we, we have this treasure. We, the scripture calls us kings and priests. And yet are we supposed to 
lord that over others? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Yes, you are kings and priests, and you are meant to serve your Lord and King first, and in doing that, you serve others. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? This is Jesus talking, okay? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So was Jesus the greatest? Was he at the table? Yes. But he says, I come as one who serves. Humbly, in a manger, leaving the very presence of God to come here to save a world so that we could be in communion with our Holy Father for all of eternity, so that we could walk in victory here on this earth, so that we could find healing in him. So he's saying here, we must have his heart. We need to have his heart. I want to have his heart. And this is not a work, beloved. This is, this is not something where you work, 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 work to do this. No, how do you do this? How do we do this? I know every person in this room knows this answer. We do this by just falling into the loving arms of Christ, of our Father, because when that love is shed abroad in our hearts, we cannot help but love a world. We cannot help but love our neighbor. We cannot help ourselves. This happens by us seeking the presence of God in our own lives by being in communion with him. How do you do that? You renew your mind with the word. His will, not ours. So this is about serving him, serving him in humbleness. You know, there are so many, okay, and you're probably saying, okay, well, Lisa Marie, you know, could you be a little bit more practical? Because I know I tend not to be, give practical examples a lot. I tend to, you know, give a lot of the overarching scripture, the theory, the, the, the principles. But you know, we can each do this every single day. We can do this in our jobs. We can do this when we're moms. Every day that, well, once you're a mom, you're never not a mom. But honestly, every day, especially when my, well, even now, but every day, as a mom ministers to her children, I remember sometimes I would get so frustrated because sometimes I think I'm not doing a good enough job. I'm not doing my job well enough. And then every day I would say, Lord, I do this as unto you. And that's all he requires. I do this as unto you. I'm not perfect. I can never be perfect in and of myself. But I do this unto you. Show me the way. Show me the way. And I would just read the scripture and I would ask him to show me. And I wasn't planning on giving this example, but like for instance, one of our children was so incredibly strong-willed. I mean, if you said do it, that person said no. You know, it, they wouldn't go to sleep when you wanted to go to sleep. They would, you know, and if you did try to put him in bed, and I never believed in letting kids cry, and I'll tell you why. 
because that's not the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So we are meant to comfort our children even when it's taxing. But, you know, that child would get out of bed and, you know, you'd go in the room and there'd be, uh, you know, Johnson's baby powder all over the floor on the dark green forest green carpet. You know, and if it really honestly, if you said yes, it was no, and just really, really, really strong-willed. And one day the Lord said to me, I'm like, Lord, what do I do about this? This is, you know, I'm trying everything I know how to do. And one day he said to me, Lisa Marie, I gave her that will. Don't crush the will, but it's your job to turn it to me. Okay? And so, okay, it's my job to turn it to you, Lord. How do I do that? Well, you preach the word. When, when, when they do something wrong, you show them in the word how to, you know, why, how it's supposed to be done, what Jesus' heart is, and you start that at a very young age. So, I mean, from, you know, the time they're little. And so anyway, but see, we can glorify God in everything we do. When you are at home with a child instructing them in the world, word, you are demonstrating the glory of God in that child's life, and it will, be, it will reap blessed rewards. On your job, you know, everyone in this world wants to get the best deal. I'm sorry, sometimes you are not meant to get the best deal because the best deal sometimes is blessing another person. You will get a reward later in life. You, God does not fail to see the ways in which you bless another person. So you are not here to get every last dime out of somebody. You are here to be a blessing. And to think that it's cunning or sly, or, you know, that people would think that, oh, you did great because you really got it over that person? No, that's shameful. I'm sorry. That's, that was never Jesus' heart for us. So why should it be our heart for others? So there is so much every day that you can just take a step and walk in the love and the humbleness of Christ, and you will never fail to be blessed for that. Okay? So, trying to be a little practical today. I hope that helps. (laughs) So Jesus went on in verse 28, and he said, You are those who have stood by me in my trials. Do you see what he's saying to his disciples? You are those who have stood by me in my trials. So he knows their heart is good there. He knows that they have stood by him. And he says, and I confer on you a kingdom. I confer on you a kingdom. Do you get that? Is that incredibly powerful? I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me. Just as, the same as, No different, not diminished, not this little baby kingdom. No, this is the kingdom of God conferred on you in all its power, in all its glory. Wow. The kingdom of God conferred on you. Wow. Just as my father conferred one on me, so that we always when we see those words, so that, this is important, this is why, you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom 
and sit on my thrones. That's your position in Christ. I'm sorry, but y'all ought to be yelling and screaming and hoopla and, and all sorts of things at this point. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much more strongly to preach it. You know? This is amazing. Is there a single one of us in this room that has full revelation of this? Okay, then you ought to be saying, give me more. Give me more. Give me more, Lord. Because I am not stopping short of this. I am not stopping short of this here on this earth. This is what you have for me, and I am going to walk in it with all the power and the glory and the hope and the mercy and the grace and the love that you have for me and that you have for others through me. And I will not quit. I will persevere. I don't care what it looks like out there. I don't care about any viruses. I don't really care about any election issues because I know what my God has put in me. And he has not come to let the church down. He has not come to let the church languish. And it is our job at this point in time, it is the most needful thing at this point in time to stay in his presence. And I'm here to help you do that. And you're here to help each other do that. Hallelujah. Remember a while back when we studied in John 17, 24, and so many people, the, the Lord dropped in my heart that that verse that says, so that you may be with me where I am, and everybody thinks about that as some physical place, and remember we studied that that's so much more than a physical place, that you may be where I am, that means with him, in communion with him, in his presence, knowing the Father as he knows the Father? No different. Your love the same as Jesus' love. That's what we're designed to be. That's where we're designed to walk. He has conferred on us a kingdom that we may eat and drink at his table in perfect communion with him. And we need to not lose sight of the fact that we carry his kingdom in us in earthen vessels, that we are the glory of God to the world around us. And it's time for the church to step up and act like it. It's time to, for the church to appreciate what we've been given in these earthen vessels. So Jesus goes on in verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan wants to sift every one of us. <coughs> Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. <coughs> I am not sick and I don't have any cold or anything. So don't be in fear. Do not have a spirit of fear, power, love, and so I'm not. <coughs> Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. This is Jesus talking about you, beloved. 
go read all of John 17 where he prays for his disciples and then he prays for all the believers yet to come. Satan will try to sift you. Satan tries to sift people every day. He tries to prevent people from coming to him. But Jesus says he's prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Remember when Peter denied him three times, and three times he went and said, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And he, he, he brought him back into communion with himself. You see, Jesus is constantly interceding on your behalf. Constantly interceding for you. And it says, when you have turned back, when you have come back with repentant hearts, when you come back, give up the idolatry, give up the things of the world, give up the pleasures that are contrary to the world. Not that God doesn't want you to have fun. God says in his scripture, I've given you all things to enjoy. And when we walk within the, within the precepts of the word, we do enjoy. We do have fun. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's our purpose. That the glory that we carry strengthens our brothers and sisters. The key is turning back. Turning back to what? Turning away from personal agendas and turning back into his presence. Desiring his will, that his will is shown through us. So, church, believers, I honestly, I truly believe that we are on the cusp of a mighty outpouring of the glory of God. And because he wishes that none should perish, we are going to see a tremendous revival of souls. But it's only going to happen when you do what you have been put on this earth to do. You must carry the glory. It's who you are. It's who you were meant to be. We need to get everything out of the way in our own lives that would prevent that would prevent his all-consuming love, his all-consuming fire from burning out the chaff. You see, the more he burns out the chaff, the more pure we can be when we draw others unto his heart. The more purity they see that the heart of Jesus is pure toward them, right? And the more you understand that the heart of Jesus is pure toward you. We must allow the purifying fire of God to burn up anything that would take his place. Anything that would take his place. We must seek him, we must seek him in holiness, the holiness of his presence and don't let anything get in the way. Don't let fear get in the way. Don't let fear get your eyes on the world. Do not let fear get your eyes on the world. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He works miracles. He's strong. His hand is not short on your behalf. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He is El Shaddai, the almighty God. He is Jehovah Nisi, the banner that goes before you. He is your healer. 
This is going, I truly believe, in the coming year, we are going to see the finest hour of the church. I'm not listening to the gloom and the doom. We are going to see the church rise up in glory to take her stand in Christ and be a remedy. And be a remedy. You are a remedy. Hallelujah. He allowed himself, Jesus allowed himself to come to earth in sacrifice. In sacrifice, in service, in lowliness of heart to bless us, to bring us into the glory. As we seek his presence, we are brought into the glory of God to show us, to show us that we, like him, like him, like him, are carriers of the very glory of God. How many times do we go over that scripture in this church where Jesus is talking to the Father and he says, Father, I have given them the glory that you gave me. He doesn't put any qualifications on that. It is time to live large. It is time to live big. It is time to live in the glory of God. It is time to stop listening to the lies of the devil that tells you that you have been trampled and defeated and that it's too hard and that the temptations are too great and the trials are too big. No, when we turn back, what does his scripture say? It says that he makes the mountains level, that he makes the crooked places straight, he makes the rough places smooth. It's already been done. It was finished on the cross when he poured out his blood and he went to heaven and poured out, the mer- poured out his blood on the mercy seat for us. He accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish on your behalf, for you. And we carry in these earthen vessels his very presence. His very presence, the presence of Christ, the Father in you. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We revere him. We honor him. We do it his way. And his presence will be the power that transforms the world around us. Am I preaching it strong enough today? Is there any doubt about what I'm really saying? Okay, I have one more sort of lengthy passage from the Last Supper. John 13, 3 through 17. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. See, Jesus knew this. He knew everything was under his power. And yet he came to serve. At any moment in time, remember when he said he could have commanded thousands of angels to come? And he allowed himself to be crucified. All things under his feet, and he came to serve. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We must allow the love of Jesus to wash over everything in our lives that is unpleasant to him. We must allow the love of Jesus to wash over our hearts and make it our hearts cry, your will, not mine. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. I'm willing. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. You see, Peter made a lot of mistakes. He denied our Christ three times. Right? Or what, you know what I'm saying? But God looks on the heart. Praise you, Father. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you look on the heart. You see, he called him clean. But not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Church, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? No, I mean really. I mean really, do you understand? Cleansed from all sin, as far as the east is from the west, he forgets about it when you bring it to him, as though you had not sinned. And then he comes and packs his glory in you. He packs his glory, the very image of his self in your spirit, the Holy Spirit, the truth, the, the spirit of truth, the spirit of love in you, in me. Can you fail? No. No, you cannot. He's already covered every failure. His love has covered a multitude of sins on your behalf. Does that mean that we don't obey? No, of course not. Because when he loves us and we love him, we fall so madly in love with him that we just want to do what he wants us to do out of a heart of love. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He sees. He sees every sacrifice you make. He sees every time you turn your will toward him. When you really want to do something else, but you say, no, Father, I'm going to honor you. He sees when it's hard. He sees when it's difficult. 
He sees when you ra you're raising up your kids and you lose your temper. Right? He sees it all. And when you make the sacrifice, he blesses. He blesses. Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master, but even though Jesus was the master, he came to serve. He came in humbleness in a manger, giving it all up to give to us, for us, for all of eternity. So it's time to reignite, church. <laughs> it, is so, it is so overdue time to reignite, to reignite our hearts in fire for his presence, seeking his presence, desiring his presence. Because he is not short in extending his presence to us. He is always there, desiring to pour out more and more and more. We must revere his holiness. We must serve him. We must understand the humbleness with which he came to serve our hearts and to bring us into communion with the Lord, with our Lord, with our Father. And when we do this, his glory is going to explode in this earth and transform it. It will push back the darkness and more and more souls will be brought into his presence. And we're thankful for that. Hallelujah. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, came to dwell among us so that we could know him in the love of the Father. So that's what I feel like the Lord had us share, had me share today. We're going to um, take communion. We have open communion. If there are any, first of all, if there's anyone who has not yet believed,